Hi everyone and thanks for listening to our podcast today with a fashion rock star. We're so excited to have the beautiful Sarah Clark with us. Sarah's the creative director of luxury fashion brand Mode and Affair, which produces the most gorgeous outerwear, exquisite bridal, kidswear and lavish accessories. Di, hi. Hello. We, we know we'd love to chat about fashion all day with Sarah, but Absolutely. she's so much more than her luxe brand. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Right. And I'm excited to be talking to Sarah today. I know, and she's sitting next to me. But just to be completely transparent, I have to say that this is the second time we've had Sarah in the studio because our first recording with her became the victim of technology gone wrong. That's right. I so think we're lucky. We've, got you back. We've, we've, <laughs> got you back. we've had to bring her back in today and uh, to re-record, and we're really appreciative that she agreed to come back because she's a woman who's really under the pump. On the plus side of her return, her mothering's reached new heights, the babies are growing and times are changing, so we're going to hear about all of those different changes. Sarah, thanks so much for coming back again. You're just the best. And look at you. She's here in this exquisite floral, this long is flowing you... dress, and she said, oh, it's just nothing. And it's yeah. just you wish you're, you, you wish you weren't a podcast when you see someone dressed like that. But I'm oh. sitting next to her, and it's, yeah, she looks gorgeous. Hello, ladies. Hi. And it's wonderful to be back. Thank you for having me back. No, we're glad you came. But <laughs> look, just to rewind and set the scene, for those who don't know Sarah, a few months ago, I walked into the Mode and Affair pop-up store in Claremont and it was all luxury, decadence, beautiful things including Sarah who always looks like she stepped out of a modelling shoot. She was standing there swathed in her latest animal faux fur, turban on her head, gorgeous little baby at her breast, um, cool as a cucumber. She was talking to clients, she was firing directions at her staff and but she also had one eye very firmly planted on two-year-old Poppy, who looked like she absolutely owned the joint. Um, <laughs> more on the pop star later. But at one point, uh, Sarah quickly excused herself and I saw her head out the back to change a nappy and give Poppy some undivided attention. I mean, talk about a super mum. It was, it was like parenting poetry. So... <laughs> Sarah, how, how does that work? Um, I think you'll appreciate it. It was all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Um, and funny story is I actually, um, we had a really quiet morning that morning and Di came in with a number of other people and at that perfect time, my Miss Two, Poppy, did the most horrendous poo and I had to <laughs> literally scoop her up, quick hello, scoop her up. Um, duck out the back, change her nappy as quickly as I possibly could because I was serving someone at the time. So it was one of those situations that sounds glamorous, and but it was horrendous. So it, was, it was before the smell started. Yeah, I, thought I, don't I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was Jack, but it was worse. And it was quickly got that scented candle out and kind of oh, wafted it around the room. Thank goodness for candles. <laughs> oh, so you're, a lot of mothers are incorporating children into their work life. I mean, having babies at the office is a challenge to say the least, but... What's your routine? Do you have daycare? Do you have mum helping you? Just talk us through your day or days. Yes. Well, look, it is a challenge. Um, I'm really, really, really lucky that I'm in a very unique kind of working position where I can and I'm allowed to have the kids there. I think I'm, I'm... eternally grateful that I can have them there with me um, on that working day. And I work with a team who are more like a family, so most, you know, half of it is family, mm-hmm. that they are happy to work around the kids as well. So I'm, I'm, I do count my blessings that I can work in that environment. Um, 
flexible workplace. It yeah. is. And, you know, like we're talking screaming children, p- poos, ex- poo explosions, all of those kind of horrendously <laughs> vomit. <laughs> you know, the not, not very glamorous side to be able to work with a team who are just totally okay and open to that I really love the fact you're acknowledging that you know you're very lucky to be in that position because a lot of mums who even if they want to work at home having children around is not practical or an option or an option so and very lucky and even sorry to interrupt but um not having those kind of set deadlines so if you're kind of a corporate lawyer and you've got a zoom meeting with London at 12 p.m you know you you can't kind of deviate from those plans so having a very fluid working environment which again I'm lucky for Um, but also on that I have Poppy in daycare two days a week Um, my mother-in-law is really involved as well so have an amazing kind of village and support network of people that help that's great I was going to say the village but Mm. so clearly you're including your beautiful children in your working life in the office but you still feeling working mother guilt always always always. Um, I think it's hard balancing everything um, and you try and do your best at one and feel like you're failing the other and vice versa. So I think, yeah. They... Isn't it interesting that every parent you speak to feels mm. guilt in some way or another because they never feel like they're quite good enough? And we keep talking about this balance. And I think um, one of the best things I've ever heard is there's no such thing as real balance. You've either got to focus on one thing or focus on the other. Mm. And um, and sometimes you're out of balance with that, but you can make up for it in other ways, you know. So that mother guilt or father guilt... It's real. Yeah, it is. And it's amazing when you think back to when women weren't working, it must have been just a bit of a walk in the park. Having kids, because I don't know, but is it, is it, is it, is it some some mothers might argue? Mm. Do you want to be constantly surrounded by your children all day? You know, well, some clearly yeah. now people don't, but uh, and we've got that flexibility. So. And, and I feel like I would be one of those mothers in that I. Um, you know, um, get this fulfilment from work that I know that if I wasn't, and doing that makes that, you better because you're fulfilled, and that's happier, what we always say. Absolutely, yeah. So, if you have a look at the Mode and Affair Instagram account, Sarah, you make—I mean, you just look like a Vogue cover with your perfect children. Um, but Dice, there's stop. something. <laughs> no, there's a keep big, going, keep going. there's a big but. There's a big but because you're very real and gorgeous, and you also share your reality in a brilliant real and you're really funny you're like a natural uh, you've got a natural humor with it so you make it look easy but the juggle isn't it, it is real it is real you, even though you make it look like it's just fabulous but firstly I so, think I might come here once a week yes just for just a little pep up talk, yeah. talk um it's it's hard and mm. and I do try I suppose I do try um and make light of the situation I know mm. um, there are a lot of um, different mothers who take different approaches on social media some are raw and emotional and emotive um, but I do try and make light because mm. I think naturally I might I try and default to humor in and, those yeah. situations yeah. and you're the face of your brand and, and a beautiful face of your brand too so you're, you're sort of juggling that as well aren't you and even from a business side of things I think the business you know it there's this natural progression of how things um, go and creating a children's line has just been that natural progression Mm. being a mother and buying clothes and going through that process so 
it's you know to have them incorporated in into the whole brand is yeah you've got the whole process. synergy there so Di bringing you in working mums juggling a toddler a, a toddler sorry tongue tied there and a newborn how hard is that? Look, I think there's pros and cons to being a working mother um, or being a stay-at-home mother, and mm. it's such a personal choice. And I really think that women need to support one another in the choices that they make, and um, you know, not put one another down for the for, for what they do. But um, there's a lot of research behind the fact that um, working mothers are less prone to depression. Because as Sarah's just spoken about, they're being fulfilled in another way outside of the home. And that's really important. Um, the benefits of being a stay-at-home mum is you don't have the high costs of childcare. You don't have to, um, you're able to maintain those consistent routines and boundaries a lot easier than a working mother that's picking their child up from daycare. That's or, so true you know, because you're got, you have to pick up the reins that left from behind from somebody else having a yeah, child yeah. Day. yeah and you know these are just pros and cons and and it's amazing how adaptable we are with our children and children are incredibly adaptable too mm. so you can whatever choice you make you can make it work but being a working mother can be tough and the juggle is real and it's not the vogue cover it's um it's hard work mm. and you and you have all that mother guilt but it, it is possible, and, and many women enjoy it. And I think mm. that's what's important to remember. On, yeah. on that, Di, I just wanted to say um, we have no routine. I, you know, <laughs> I, have, I have no routine. And yeah. children that seven months and, and horrible sleepers. And, and I think there is, you know, to not have that dedication and commitment that, mm. say, if my, a girlfriend of mine who is doing sleep training, who their little baby at the same age is sleeping all the way through, there, there are kind of consequences to having no routine, ha- having no routine, yeah. working and not being able to kind of dedicate that time to parenting. And I think in your situation, Sarah, if you've got your children at home while you're working, you can arrange it so that your children's needs are met. So you're ultimately you're working around your children's needs and then getting your work done in, mm. in the middle of but, that. And also, you shouldn't feel bad because mm. they're still very young. I think some kids relate to routines very early mm-hmm. and I know you would have been brilliant at setting them but other children aren't good sleepers mm-hmm. and it could take a long Absolutely. time and they're um, so individual yeah and and when you call in pe- the sleep mm. people they'll often say no let them cry they do all sorts of different yeah. methods which might not work for you so I think I mean your your babies are still very young so yeah. The routines. And what we keep saying here on the podcast is, you know, we're sharing all these different stories. We're sharing expert advice and tips. Every child is so different. Every family is so different. Mm. You've got to take and try what you think works for you. And what works for you may not work for your best friend. So we have to keep that in mind all the time. Yeah. And so, Sarah, when we first spoke with you, Poppy was really in full toddler flight Mm. and kind of terrible twos (laughs) and we're saying terrible twos under our breath and your beautiful newborn Jack was you know perfect baby but how hard was it transitioning from having one child to two I mean did that rock Poppy's world and has it gotten any easier for you in the past couple of months since we last spoke? It absolutely rocked her world. And I think when we brought Jack home from the hospital, she kind of just looked at us and said, what have you done? We're a a beautiful trio. What have I done wrong? How dare you? How dare you? And she took quite a while to 
realise the fact that he was here to stay. Um, <laughs> and that probably coincided as well in those, dare we say, terrible twos. So it was a very rocky few months, die. Mm. And when we first um, recorded the podcast... I was very much in the midst of um, all of those emotions, heightened emotions. She was, um, I was kind of, you know, Googling different podcasts for parental preference because she was all about dad and did not want to have a bar of me. And I was, you know, in tears, rocking back and forth Aww. on the floor going, she doesn't Aww. love me. Um, but we're best friends now. We're besties at the moment. So Aww, we've turned great. a corner in our... You know, You've got to love the phases of, ch- of childhood. That's it. Mm. Well, you know, people always say this too shall pass, and it, and it and it's so and it true. Does. It mm. can pass the next day, or it can pass in five minutes, or it can it's take amazing. a couple of months. And like one day, one day, many years down the track, she might tell you she hates you, and you know you're really doing a good job then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, Sarah. You have a wonderful partner who seems to indulge your every glamorous whim. Um, Did Watsy know what he signed up for? And tell us about what he signed up for, (laughs) because people might not know what I mean by that. Um, I kind of think maybe deep down he knew, but maybe he thought he'd hoped it wouldn't be, you know... Quite as full on. (laughs) Quite as full on as what it it has been. But he's a pretty patient guy. Um, And, I mean, with Poppy, we had her kind of passport booked at eight weeks and she was traveling you know to these very remote country towns in China at 12 weeks and lots Mm -hmm. of different adventures with her and I think he just you know he's the kind of guy that throws his hands up in the air and just whatever makes you happy so well I think he's just doing what what we learn as parents pretty quickly is you have to go with the flow like you, you don't have as much control over your life as you, you once did when without the mm. children. As soon as you have children, you have to be a little bit more go with the flow. Mm. Which, so, yeah, yeah, it's everything against his personality. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, is he around when you're doing the photo shoots? Do, do you have a spontaneous shoots ha- happening at home? Always. It looks like you do. Always. <laughs> so the funny thing is, although, and this is the Instagram versus reality side of things, although yeah. Poppy looks like she loves photo, she hates having her photo taken and hates getting videos taken. So often I'll need Watsy behind her, luring her or trying to make her laugh just to take a thousand photos and get that one where she's (laughs) smiling to make it as if she's really enjoying what's going on, but she actually hates it. She's going to love you sharing that story when you're 21. (laughs) But um, he's learnt as well that he needs to kind of be a part of it all to make it all Going. Oh, it looks like it's working well. Certainly. But, Di, any more on sharing of those parental responsibilities? Yeah, and before, actually, before I touch on the shared um, mm. parenting responsibilities, one thing I think stay at home working mothers have to be mindful of is that we're quite often on our phone and our computer screens, and you'll see, and this has happened to me, um, our child, we hear our children in the background. So, we, what we hear is blah, 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 because our mind mm. is on our work. But I remember one time when my daughter, and she would have been 11, and she stuck her head between my phone and my face and looked at me and said, are you actually listening to me? And I realised, actually, no, I'm not. I can hear you, but I'm not actually listening to you. And um, and then followed, we got in the car and she was talking to me and she said, I'm going to quiz you after this to see if you've actually been listening to me. (laughs) 
And what I realised was I had to schedule time in to make sure I was making time to listen. So I think when you're in your situation, Sarah, it's that case of I have to schedule just Poppy and me time and no no screen time, no other distractions, just us. I think that's really important. And then if we go into, um, it's I love hearing about how your hubby's adapting to, to father life. <laughs> to living on a movie set. And Reluctantly. <laughs> Let's be well, real. Yeah, but that's awesome. It's awesome he's prepared to adapt. But I think... There are no hard or fast rules when it comes to sharing parental responsibility because, um, as I said, so many families are so different. But I think um, if you are able to make the time, especially when you have a newborn baby, you've got paternity and you've got maternity leave. If you can have it together and bond as a family for some time before you have to race off and find those routines, that connection can really help your relationship and you can kind of find your feet. And then when it comes to household chores, it's good to find areas of strength. Now, some men might go, I have no strength in any household chores. But what I mean by that is if you're a good cook, you can do the cooking. If you enjoy cooking, you can do the cooking. If you are like me and a hopeless cook, you'll stay out of the kitchen, but you're good with the cleaning and the laundry. But when everyone feels they're a part of the, the household chores, they feel valued and supported, that's when you get a strong family unit. And you just have to convince your partner to do that. Yes, that will See, be the thing. The but... funny thing is, in our situation, is what's he's going to listen to this and just shake his head because he argue he does all the cooking, all the cleaning, all oh. the household chores. That I don't have, I don't have that much to bring to the table in terms of housewife and being a housewife. But does it work okay. for you? You're going to say works for me. Yeah, yeah there you go. Good on you, Watsy, if you're listening. Yes. Um, so I just want to delve a bit more into the whole social media as- aspect. Glamour mode, glamour overload all the time. Poppy and Jack are right in there following in your footsteps. Poppy's like the mini model with <laughs> attitude to burn. We've just heard she doesn't really like it, but that's it. And Jack's, you know, just an adorable little package. But just want to know, with Poppy being surrounded by all this glamour and beauty and everything, do, do you feel... And maybe she's too young to realise, but is it hard to keep her grounded? Do you think that's affecting her in any way, like getting all these beautiful clothes on every day and being a princess? Um, I, th- I would argue she isn't grounded because she's this little hot mess of emotions rolling around. But I'm also really conscious of that as well. So mm. I think as much as it appears um, from the outside looking in that it's, you know, she she is this princess who gets absolutely everything that she wants. I I think from a from a big and we go back to our village and a family's you know side mm. of things. I come from a really grounded family, and and mm. when you've got you know um, different siblings going through different walks of life, we're surrounded by um, very a really diverse group of people in different living situations, and. I think that just naturally keeps you very grounded. Um, And so, and I am conscious that I don't want to kind of create the monster, as they say. So I would like to think that I try to to keep it real. I'm sure Um, you do. It's just those photos that kind of make it up. You know, yeah, it's a very it's curated not, selection of it, photos. That, it is. That which make is, it which up. is what Instagram is for most people. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yes, that's yeah. right. So, and I wanted to talk about entitlement in our kids because we're just going to touch on it. I know these days we all want to give our children absolutely everything, even if it sometimes means overextending ourselves to do it. Mm. But in turn, kids are beginning to expect so much. So, Dime, this is for you. Are we killing mm. them with kindness? Are we overindulging them? 
And what are your thoughts on how not to create the monster that Sarah mm. was just talking I, about? I think all parents want what they can give that they so they want to give their children what they couldn't have you know it's mm. um we all go to look into our inner child and say what do i wish i had when i was a child and then we try and give it to our kids um i think what we've got to be really careful of is we don't want children learning that you get your happiness from the material things in life we want them to understand that often the simple things in life give us the most pleasure so spending time with friends and family, um, connecting with nature. We don't want children believing that an accumulation of wealth brings you mm -hmm. happiness because I'm sure many of us who um, live very you know, well-to-do lives would say, no, that's, that's not what creates happiness for us. It's time mm -hmm. with our families. It's connection with our friends. We also don't want children believing that their value is defined by labels. So That's I've actually right. met children who think they're less than if they're not wearing a brand label that their friend is wearing. And we need to make sure we give our children enough self-confidence and a good self-esteem to know you're not defined by the label you wear. That's really important. And instill gratitude. You know, mm, so that constant... I was, yeah, I was wondering yeah, to ask you looking, about that. Looking for, well, what do I have? Instead of what don't I have? What mm. do I have? And um, it's interesting. I've been working on uh, some videos for kids going through COVID. And, you know, that can be a really bleak outlook for kids when you're in lockdown. Mm. And what we're talking to them about is look for glimmers of goodness. Three, write three things down every day that are glimmers of goodness that you've mm. seen in your home or you've seen on the news. We need to encourage our children to do that and role model that with them. That's so yeah. funny that you say that. Um, before bed every night, I've just started with Poppy um, going over the three things that made her happy during the day. Yeah, that's Gorgeous. a wonderful thing to and do. And often yeah. she'll just look and say the light or the fan, but then <laughs> say, okay, what about talking to grandma or yes. playing with your yeah. cousins? Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, I'll just start at this age, just Perfect. trying to reflect on the day that's been and what are the three things that have made her happy. And, and yeah. you know, you can role model as a family. So around the dinner table, I quite often do this with my family. I'll say, Sian, tell me three great things that happened today. And then I'll go to my partner and go, what were three great things that happened to you? And then I'll share three great things yeah. that happened to me. Yeah. And sometimes I can say, I had a really bad day today. But despite that, these are three things I was we'll able find to find. Something. Because you're role modelling to the child that even in your worst days, you can find glimmers of goodness. Mm. Just getting back to the overindulging, um, when you were talking, I was thinking about birthday parties now. Mm. And I've noticed um, a lot. we get a lot of birthday invitations for children in our home. And I often, we often say, oh, what? What, what are they interested in? What can I give them? You're asking about a present. And I'm surprised just how many are coming back now and saying no presents. Mm. They are lucky to be having <laughs> a party with their friends or whatever you want. You know, there, there's just no expectation. And, and I feel a bit sorry because I was brought up in that era where birthdays are just everything and you, you know, I have a friend who up until her boys were 21, she, she gave them that amount of presents, whatever their birthday was, oh, they got. So oh, even wow. up to 21, 21 wow. presents. And I okay. that's really a huge commitment. <laughs> Saving so through the that, year, that's was kind of, Yeah, that's kind of changed where people are mm. saying there's no expectation and, and, and even the, the kids will say, oh, but what if we don't go with the present? They're going to be sad. But they're actually not, I think. And so then we've had that discussion mm. as well. Uh, I love that. So it sounds yeah. like there's an awareness there is, now yeah. where parents are going, we do need to give these important life lessons to our kids. That's mm. wonderful. Yeah. Mm. So, Sarah, you're a rock star. Yeah. 
We've loved having you back Thank here with you. us today. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to you. I, I certainly have. I love it. And um, it's been an injection of glamour for sure, but I think you've also provided some valuable insights into your world and another snap snapshot of parenting in this Absolutely. World another story to share. And, mm. and again, for people listening, they can take some of your experiences and ideas and, and try them at home. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Thanks, Sarah. Thank Thanks, you. Di, as Thank always. You.